The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Sounds a little loud. Deanne, can you lower my mic a little bit? Okay, that's good. Sounds good. Does that sound okay? Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, congratulations for being here. Um, I noticed today that uh, traffic was really light, relatively speaking, very light traffic. So I think a lot of people are taking the time off, and they're, uh, well, I'll tell you one place they are, they're at the airport. (laughs) Lines going to the airport are very long right now. But this, this is a season, this is a season where I notice that everybody is really kind of busy. Busy. You may recognize that word. And this morning, that's what I'd like to talk about. I'd like to talk about busyness. And so particularly in light of that, I congratulate you all for taking the time to come here this morning. For taking that time, for, for doing that for yourselves. So one of the reasons that I'd like to talk about business is um, perhaps a, a week or so ago, I was in a group of people who had gotten together to talk about suttas. And one of the things we do, we sit in a circle, and, and everybody did a brief check-in. So you, you're probably all familiar with the check-ins. You know, They can be brief, they can be long, but it's basically, well, this is how I feel today, and here's where I'm coming in, and... and and fully half of the people talked about how busy they were. And there was a feeling around that busyness of suffering. You know, the, the, the busyness was a burden that people were carrying. And um, so that made me think about it. And one of the things I did was go check, um, I googled busyness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> This is something that people have a lot to say about busyness. And, uh, you know, there are different definitions of busyness. Some of them are overcrowded. Some of them are using all available resources. um, Actively or fully engaged. Yeah. Uh Can be meddlesome, prying, as in busybody. what you want to call somebody who's trying to tell you what to do. Busybody, go away. I have enough to do just to keep track of my own busyness. Right? So how about you? Do you feel too busy? Do you feel busy? Feel busy? Do you feel too busy? Yeah. Maybe it's not something that arises in your life, this feeling of busyness. A friend recently gave me a book called The One Who Is Not Busy. And it's a book by Darlene Cohen, who is a Zen teacher, a local Zen teacher. Uh, And she wrote this book because she gave uh, workshops on busyness, how not to be busy and what to do about busyness. And this book, this talk is not about her book. Okay, I, I read her book. It was kind of a jumping off place for me. But I don't intend to take the same tack she did with the book. It just was interesting to see that this is something that 
everybody has to grapple with in one way or another, this filling the time up, filling the space up. I suppose that my friend gave me this book because he perceived that I was overfilling my days. That's actually what he said when he handed me the book. (laughs) So I suppose that was his perception, that I was overfilling my days. So, you know, when we think about busyness, the things that happen is we, we start looking at all of... We, lists come naturally when you start thinking about busyness because right away you want to explain why there's either this frenetic activity or there's uh, a sense that you can't get everything done. And so the first thing you do, the first thing I do is I start making lists. Okay, so I came up with a list of too many demands. So there is uh, work or looking for work, or not having enough work. There is the family, taking care of the family, avoiding the family, worrying about the family, anxiety over the family, activities of the family, love life, or lack of love life, making demands, oh, I really want this relationship to work, I really want to put my activity here, but I just don't have time, or, right? We have all of these lists. Exercise. Now, I know if I set time aside for exercise, this is a good thing for me, so I have this pressure to do the exercise, or this goes on the list. Exercise. Meditation time. I need to set aside time for meditation, This is important to me. I know this is important to me. So pretty soon you have a a, a list of things. There are operational issues. Housing, transportation, food, all of the just daily getting through life stuff that we have to do. Appearance. Oh, I've got to get my hair cut. It's been too long. Uh, Oh, I've got to do the laundry. I don't have any clean clothes. Here's this blouse I was going to wear. It needs a button. I've got to take care of that stuff. Finance is paying bills. Let's assume for the moment we have the money to pay the bills. Then we have to figure out how, what order we're going to pay them in and have I met the deadline for the bill. And, you know, gee, I thought I paid that last week. And uh, Leisure. I know I need to relax. I've got to find a time to relax. I'm going to sit down in front of the TV and I'm going to watch the 49ers game. Right? Relationships. Lots of relationships. Relationships with our coworkers. Relationships with our children. Relationships with the neighbor. Oh, you know, I promised I'd move that stuff. They, they wanted me to put my garbage cans away this week because they were, were trying to sell the house, and I have to remember to do that. Uh, creativity. Uh, I have to leave room for me to express my inner self, and that's got to go on the list. And, you know, I've been wanting to learn to play the piano. I've got to call that teacher and see if I can start playing the piano. Uh, activism or volunteerism. I know it's important to give back to the community. I'm really concerned about the political. Okay, we put that on the list. Uh, community and world issues. You know, I got, oh my God, the, the leader in North Korea has just died. What's this going to mean? Who's going to manage that nuclear arsenal? This is, you know, I, can, you know, I can really worry a lot about the global issues around nuclear weapons being everywhere. 
Oh, and then there's my personal development. I have to leave some time for becoming a better person, and so I need to leave some contemplation time. And pretty soon, I mean, this is actually a fairly long list, and it is not an exhaustive list. And it is an even unreasonable list. These are all things that we deal with every day when we get up, in one form or another. As we go through our lives, all of these things are on the list. That sounds pretty busy to me. You know, it's pretty easy to see. Yeah. But see, now I've reminded you of everything that you should be thinking about, right? And there's that should thing that has a lot to do with busyness. The should thing has a lot to do with busyness. Okay, so, so how do we integrate things in our lives? And what does this have to do with Buddhism anyway? So, when I started thinking about that, it came to me that um, I could talk about how to take care of busyness, how to manage busyness, how to balance things in, in busyness. But I decided it might be more interesting to, instead of trying to change the busyness or get rid of the things on the list or manage the list, to study what is my reaction to all of these things. What are the responses that I generate to all of these things? What's actually going on that all of these things are there? How do I separate myself from these demands? Am I in these demands? What's my relationship to these demands? If I'm not busy, somehow I'm not with the program. I'm not doing my part. I have to look busy. When I was doing the, um, the online search, I ran across a blog by a Harvard professor. And he talked about being in touch with some of his former students. And they told him how important it was to look busy. <laughs> because if your boss didn't think you were busy, then you might lose your job, lose the promotion, maybe not have the stature in the organization. And so they would take to leaving their suit coats on the backs of their chairs when they went home at night because it implied that they were actually still there, maybe working in another part of the building. I thought, wow, that is really being attached to being busy. But, you know, sometimes we do that. Maybe it's not a suit coat, but there's a kind of uh, stature attached to really being busy. You know, I I used to be kind of uh, obsessed with the idea of superwoman. You could do everything. You could have your family life. You could have your career. You could have your spiritual life. You could, well, you can, but (laughs) maybe the way I was approaching it wasn't really working really well. When we talk about busy, being busy, very often there's a weightiness about it. There's a sense of weight. There's a a load on our shoulders. There is suffering. You can feel it in your body. There there are different manifestations of busyness. There's the buzzy busyness. There's the weight on your shoulders busyness. There's a confusion dizziness. All of these things are very closely related 
to what we in Buddhism call the unwholesome roots of greed, hatred, and delusion. Greed, hatred, and delusion. Now, now uh, these, are, these are sometimes called the taints and the poisons. The Pali word is uh, kalesas. I don't like any of these words. First of all, I can't relate to the word kalesa. <laughs> but also, I don't relate really well to greed, hatred, and delusion. Those terms all sound pretty negative to me and onerous, and I don't want to own them. I also don't like calling them poisons and taints because somehow that makes me responsible for something that maybe I don't want to be responsible for. I want to be able to look at these. The idea of calling them roots kind of feels good to me. It's sort of suffering arises out of these tendencies in life. And rather than greed, hatred, and delusion, you can use terms like craving, ill will, confusion. Okay, you know, I'm more closely related to that. I don't think of myself as someone who hates, but I can understand ill will and resentment. Yeah, 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 those, those terms are a lot closer for me. And when I started thinking about busyness, I found, I found these places. I found these places where those were the driving things. You know, so, so busyness, one of the characteristics of busyness is, oh, the thrill of it all. I am really engaged here. I am. I'm managing all these pieces. I've got it going here. And I'm, I'm skating on the edge. Just I'm getting through the day. And, and it's pretty exciting. You know, there's a lot of adrenaline to that. I'm making this happen. Here I am, I'm managing this. The, the multitasker, the multitasker is really good at this. I used to be very proud of being a multitasker. Now, I'm, I, I don't do that so much anymore. Now, whether it's because of age or wisdom, only I know. And only I know when each of them is present. Because each of them is present. Sometimes it's just a matter of, I can't do that. I don't have that energy anymore. Sometimes it's, I don't need to do that anymore. Different things, different approaches. So the one thing I want to emphasize as we go through all of these is, there is no good and bad here. We're not talking about, this is a good image, this is a bad image. We're talking about the tendencies in our lives, the directions our mind takes, when we're confronted with everyday life, all of, the, all of the messiness of everyday life, particularly on the subject of busyness. Okay, so sometimes, I talked about the, the thrill of it all, sometimes we keep ourselves busy so that we don't have to think about something else. Right? Zoom, zoom, zoom. And that intensity of feeling takes place kind of in place of, I'm kind of bored. I'm kind of not interested. I've lost my energy around this. But if I keep filling it up, then I can, I've got the adrenaline going, and I don't notice that I'm actually bored. And then there's the numbing out thing. 
if I'm really, 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 really busy, by the time I get home, I am, I am ready to do nothing. I'm going to sit and work crossword puzzles, or I'm going to sit in front of the TV, or I'm going to sit down with a six-pack of beer, or I'm going to do something to shut it all off, and I deserve it because I've been so busy. I can shut down this part of my life now, and I don't have to look at anything. This is very closely related to exhaustion. If I'm really, really busy then I can support the fact that I'm exhausted. I have a good excuse for why I'm exhausted. And I don't look at other reasons why I might be exhausted. I don't have to look at the emotional exhaustion or the psychological exhaustion or even the physical exhaustion. I don't have to look at the tension because, of course, I'm tense. I'm busy. This is a virtue, right? Sometimes it's related to a sense of values. If I'm not busy, maybe it's because nobody cares about me or cares what I do. Maybe I'm busy so that I don't have to ask myself that question. Am I doing what is of value to me? I don't even have time to think about that. You've got to be kidding. Then there's the sense of nothing else is possible. These are all things we have to do. You know, the baby's sick. The food has to be put on the table. I have to go to work. I can't pay my bills if I don't go to work. But something else is going on underneath all of that. And sometimes busyness is a cover for despair or a kind of defeatism. You know, it's not my fault. It's just not my fault. I can't do anything about it. You know, this is my lot in life. These are all natural feelings and natural reactions to the burdens that we find in life. You know, sometimes we're skating along and we've got it together. We've got a lot of things and we're managing them and it's going really well. You've got a plan and then something happens that's not on the plan. And then what happens? We don't let go of anything that we've got the reins of. I've got all these strings. They're all tied together. Something else happens. It's not in the plan, and I just add it in. Okay, sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, it got to happen. It's got to happen. And pretty soon, we, we, we can't possibly do any of it. And then we start making more and more lists, and we're using a lot of time making those lists or coming up with a new plan or coming up with a new list of priorities so that I can handle all of these things. And we're lost in the world of busyness. We're lost in all of that frenetic activity. And we're losing a sense of wholeness for ourselves and a sense of ease. And it's coming from where? And that's the question. Where is it coming from? Am I looking at my desire for something to be a certain way? I want, I don't want, I'm confused, or wish I was, closely related to I just want to be numb. 
I want, I don't want, I'm confused. So then there's the nostalgia trap. This time of year, that's a really big one because we're heading into the holidays. And um, I spent a lot of time in my life trying to recreate a holiday feeling that may not even have existed, I might add. (laughs) But we're very, you know, the miracle on 34th Street. I don't know how many times you've seen this movie, but I've seen it too many times, beginning when I was very young. And it, it created in my mind the image of how Christmas should be. This is how Christmas should be. There are the bad people who are rushing around doing the bad things. There are the good people who are struggling. And then there is this savior, heartfelt, compassionate person who comes in and tells you the true meaning of Christmas. And then we all want that true meaning of Christmas feeling. And we spend a lot of time trying to create that. And it's really a fantasy. It's a fantasy. Over the last few years, my husband and I have put up really large Christmas trees in our living room. Pretty much takes the whole living room. And what we've done is we've cut down um, Bishop Pines. We live up... Uh, around Point Reyes, and there was a fire in 1995 that burned about 42 houses. And where we live was one of those sites. And what happens in the fire is it causes these bishop pines to germinate, and they come up. And when we moved into the house about 10 years ago, the bishop pines were all about 6 feet tall, and now they're about 50, 75 feet tall. They've grown like crazy, and they've grown really close together. And so you have to trim them out. So that's what we've been doing. We'll go in and we'll cut one of these trees down and we'll take just the top of it, which is still a gigantic tree, and we put it up in the living room and it's very unusual shaped tree. We're not talking, you know, blue spruce here. We're talking about scarecrow looking thing. And people come in and they say, oh, what a, an interesting tree. <laughs> but it's gotten so now people expect that. And this year we didn't do that. We didn't put up a tree. And people come into the house and they say, where's your tree? Oh, well, you know, we didn't put it up this year. We, we didn't, we're not doing that this year. And part of the reason we didn't do that this year is we're really very busy. <laughs> but it's been very interesting for us because we chose not to put a lot of energy into decorating the house because we had to let go of one of those strings in order to take on some of the unexpected strings that came along. But it's been very interesting to watch other people's and our reaction to not having that tree. Wow, it's interesting. When you let go of something, ooh, (laughs) you know, it should be there. (laughs) It doesn't feel like Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, well... Maybe that's a good thing. So, so here are some questions for contemplation. What am I choosing when I choose busyness? What am I choosing? Watch your mind. This is not judgment. This is curiosity. 
Okay? Just what's happening? What am I choosing? How am I choosing? How do I feel? And what else is there? What else is here? What else is going on? Because I find that I have an immediate response. And then if I say, and what else is here? I discover maybe something else. That's very interesting. It isn't about changing what you do. It isn't about changing the moment. It isn't about getting rid of busyness. It's studying the movement of your mind. What are the tendencies of your mind? Are my tendencies to grab onto things? Are my tendencies to push things away? Are my tendencies to say, I'm not going to think about it? What are my tendencies? What are the habits we entertain? What are the habits? Just notice. Just notice. Are some particular activities direct indicators of something? So, I'm not going to talk about ice cream here, through talking about ice cream, but there are other things in my life that I notice when I'm under stress that I'll do. And I'll, some, I'll notice that before I notice I'm under stress. Oh, oh, look at me. And then I start looking around for why am I doing that. Because very often I have habits of mind that have to do with consoling myself. Oh, I'm consoling myself. You know, like, like comfort food or whatever it is you do. So notice that. Aha. What do we not want to see? What do we not want to see? What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? There are a lot of assumptions that go around holidays and how one celebrates holidays. Some of them have to do with traditions. Some of them have to do with expectations. And I found for many years, I was really regretting the appearance of holidays because I wanted them to be so special. Okay, right away, we've got this thing. I want it to be special, so I hate it. Wow. (laughs) And I had these ideas about what would make it the perfect holiday. There would be this condition and that condition and that condition, and I would go about trying to set up those conditions so that everyone around me could enjoy this perfect holiday. And then when that didn't work, guess who was unhappy? Not all the people around me, just me. Just me. It turned out, so, so what I did is I, you know, when people had, had all kinds of <clears throat> advice for me, just let go of wanting it to be perfect. <laughs> just let go of that tradition. Just let, I got so I didn't want to hear about letting go. So then I said, well, what happens if it doesn't happen? Not that I didn't have any experience of this because it never happened. But I asked myself, what happened if I allowed it not to be perfect? If I said, okay, 
it's not going to be perfect. I mean, the number of things you can say about being perfect is so long, we don't need to go into them. But as soon as I said, okay, so what's going to happen if I don't do this thing to make this perfect? And I realized I didn't actually know the answer to that. I had my idea of what would happen if I didn't create this thing that made this perfect holiday, like putting up the tree. There's an idea about what makes a difference. So I said, well, I guess I'll just have to try. And so I started with little things. I'm not going to do this thing that I've always done to make the holiday perfect. And guess what? Nobody noticed. (laughs) Well, that was interesting. Nobody noticed. (laughs) And I realized I was creating this. I had this whole story in my mind about what would make a perfect holiday. And every holiday, I failed at creating that perfect holiday. And I was the only one who was unhappy. That really didn't make any sense. But I did it for years. It didn't have to do with letting go of my idea. It had to do with just checking with what's actually happening. (laughs) How novel. What's actually happening? Not what do I want to have happen? What do I wish wasn't happening? Not, Not lost in ideas about what was happening, but simply what's happening? And allowing that freedom to see what's really happening turned out to be a really key discovery. That I didn't have to beat myself up trying to create the perfect holiday. It was definitely getting in the way. It was getting in the way of everything. So one of those things is, uh, you know, I could tell you about my mother's fudge. So my mother used to make fudge every year for Christmas. It was great fudge. And I remember loving her making that fudge. And I loved doing it with her. And that fudge took on an importance around Christmas. I can't tell you. That fudge was Christmas. So for years I made fudge every Christmas. And I didn't, my mother actually died when I was 12. This is a really early memory. I couldn't go get her fudge recipe. So there were the years where I kept trying different fudge recipes to recreate my memory of this fudge that didn't work. And it didn't seem to have the same uh, feeling for everyone else. Maybe it was because the fudge wasn't any good. Or maybe it was because I was grasping so desperately at trying to bring my mother into Christmas. And it turned out I don't make fudge anymore. I did finally find the perfect fudge recipe if you need it, but... (laughs) I found that the memory of my mother making fudge was much sweeter than the fudge. And that I could bring that memory into my life without creating a lot of other stuff. And that memory was enough. But I had to see why I was making the fudge, that it wasn't for the fudge, (laughs) it was for the memory. And it just took me a long time to see that. We go through stuff like this all the time. Um, There's stuff around gift giving, okay? So 
Okay, Uncle Charlie gave you that really great book. Oh, and he gave me this really stupid piece of plastic crap. <laughs> he loves you, he doesn't love me. <laughs> yeah, we do this a lot. We, we compare our gifts and we decide that there's some meaning to the gift without perhaps thinking that un- Uncle Charlie had his assistant go out and buy the gifts or Uncle Charlie didn't have a clue how to buy a gift or, uh, and Uncle Charlie was buying gifts because he had to buy gifts for everyone. Well, you know, we know none of this, right? Or we have, I have to get Uncle Charlie a gift. Uncle Charlie's a very difficult guy. He has everything he needs. How am I going to get him a gift? If he wasn't coming over, I wouldn't have to get him a gift. <laughs> and, and we want to push away that whole experience. Aversion is everywhere. I don't want to get Uncle Charlie a gift. Is there a way to notice that I don't want to get Uncle Charlie a gift? And instead of worrying about the gift, think about what would it be like to say, I wish I could have the perfect gift for Uncle Charlie. Because somewhere underneath all of that busyness around the gift for Uncle Charlie is the truth of, I'd really like to please this person. I'd like to do something kind for this person. But we spend so much time around the lists of what can I get Charlie that I, I can't even remember that, that somewhere in me is this really generous impulse. <clears throat> I remember a, a Valentine one time. I went through the same th- sort of thing around Valentine's Day. When you're early in relationships, you can't decide whether you give the other person a Valentine or not. I mean, it's true for Christmas, but I'm bringing up the Valentine because I loved this particular Valentine I saw. And on the inside of the Valentine, it said, if you got me a Valentine, then this is about how important you are in my life and how sweet it is that we can use this occasion. If you did not get me a Valentine, this is an example of a a joke that we're sharing on the crassness of Valentine's Day. The conditional Valentine. And how often do we feel that way? I don't know whether to give them a gift. I don't know whether, how much money should I spend? What's the message I'm giving? And it's all around creating a sense of something that we want to have happen or something we don't want to have happen or some idea about how we want to be seen. I want this person to think this about me. I want this person to think that about me. And we get all tangled up in all of that stuff. Can we we see all of that stuff and say, Oh, oh, poor me. (laughs) All this stuff I'm carrying around. What's my intention? And then just stick with that intention. Just that intention. Not worry so much. Not worry so much about it being perfect. Really stick with the intention. And how does it feel? Now in order to notice all this stuff, in the midst of all of our busyness, you know, it would be nice to sit down and have a week-long retreat to consider all of these things, but 
we don't have that. That's not what's going to happen. But there are things we can do. We can stop. Not for a long period of time, briefly, and do a check-in. What am I feeling? So you're in the kitchen, something spills. It's all over the floor. This is not in the plan. Where are my feet? Is my weight balanced on my feet? How am I standing? Just that much. And then you go back to cleaning up the spill. But settling down into the body and just checking in, just checking in, how do I really feel? Before we rush on to react to what's the, what is unplanned. Just, just a little, just a moment. Where am I? What's happening? If you have two moments, then you can say, what else is happening? Right? So the milk spell spills. I don't need this. I'm frantic. I, where are my feet? My feet are solidly on the floor. I raise my chin. I square my shoulders. I take a breath. You know, I might be five minutes late. Hmm. I'm going to clean up the milk. You know, there's, there are a lot of unconscious worries that happen. It isn't about the milk. It's seldom about the milk. But we get very concentrated on the items of our lists. You know, every time, when I drive down here, it's about an hour and a half drive. And I know it's about an hour and a half drive. And I get in the car, and right away I'm thinking about, okay, if I make this turn at this time, if I get to this place by that time, I'll be on track. And, if I, and then there's a long line here, and I, you know, I start worrying about that. It takes an hour and a half to get here. <laughs> you know? Why spend all that time making all those lists about the conditionals It has something to do with trying to control, trying to make things, I want it to be this way. I want it to be stress-free, so if I plan it, it'll be stress-free, right? Hmm. (laughs) Leave yourself an hour and 45 minutes. (laughs) Stress is gone, you know, because there's room for something to go wrong. There's room for something to go wrong. Okay, so it's not necessary to throw out all your family traditions to satisfy some pseudo-spiritual path. Just notice. Just notice what it is. Notice what happens. Oh, oh, this is what this is about. You know, I mean, I was really big on the fudge. I never once made one of those rotten fruitcakes that my mother made every year. Somehow that had none of the emotional attachment. Interesting, you know. What is it? What am I noticing? What am I seeing? The other thing to pay attention to is, in fact, what is your intention? What is my intention? Don't store up happiness. If I get this done, store up events in search of happiness. If I get this done, then I'll be happy. As soon as I get this done, I'll rest. As soon as I get these Christmas cookies done, 
everybody's going to love the Christmas cookies, and I'm going to watch my grandchildren play with those Christmas cookies. It's going to be so sweet. And then, you know, what do you do about this? You're attached to those little red stars, and some of the stars don't have the tips on them, and somebody decides they want blue cookies instead of red cookies, and, oh, boy, this is going to be crummy. But why are you making the cookies? Is it fun making the cookies? If it's not, don't make the cookies. If it's fun, experience that fun right then. Don't save it up for what somebody's going to think about those cookies. Notice, notice. I love stirring the eggs and sugar together. Whatever it is, notice it. Right here, right here, right here. Don't store it up for later. I'm not doing this for later. I'm doing this for right now. Right now. Those are the best things. What happens if you're embarrassed? You get embarrassed. Okay, the cookies really are terrible. <laughs> and somebody tastes the cookies and you're really embarrassed. What does your mind do with embarrassment? Does it start making excuses? Well, somebody put the Splenda in the place of the sugar. I never would have put Splenda in my cookies. Or do you notice the embarrassment? Oh, God, I'm really embarrassed. And then you say, yeah, I'm embarrassed. And you say it out loud. I'm really embarrassed about these cookies. Anybody want them? Because, you know, they're kind of cute. <laughs> you know, how, where does your mind go? Does it, 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 how, how attached are you to the vision? Just notice it. It isn't about being a different person. Can we offer a gift in a way that it's more than a gift? Can I offer you a gift and look you in the eye and it doesn't matter what the gift is? It doesn't matter what the gift is. It's decayed. Sometimes the overall impression is more important than the thing. You know, we, uh, we just, there's a, how am I doing on time here? There's a, 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 an annual bird count that happens. People take a day and they count all the birds in a particular area. And they, they count all the species and the numbers that are in those species. And this is something my husband and I have done for many years. So we were doing this last Saturday and somebody came with us who was a beginner and she said, you know, I don't know birds, I don't know. And I said, well, you know, you're a good observer. And that's as important as knowing what it is. You can always get someone else to tell you what it is, but you have to notice it first. And she said, well, I went on this, this website, and it said the most important thing about looking for birds is to get the overall impression of the birds. And I was thinking about that, and I realized I can pick a flicker out really fast because of their flight pattern. I know what their flight pattern is. I may never see the color. And then there are only two or three birds that do that same flight pattern. And then I can, I can wrap it. I only have to think about three birds. I don't have to think about 600 possibilities. You know, what's the overall impression of what's in the room? Don't get, don't get lost in the busyness of the details. Just... What's going on in the room? What's going on inside me? 
maybe I don't have time to sit around and analyze all of my intentions and the, the activities and the, the impressions that I have. But what's the overall mind state? Uh, it's tight. It's open. It's generous. It's ungenerous. Just what is it? So that I know where I'm coming from. Oh, that's cute. See, I wrote moment. This is this is this this iPad here. It kind of it changes the words based on what it thinks you you're going to talk about. I want you to know that moment. Do we don't analyze every Monet for its complete set of variables? <laughs> but you know, it's in that section on overall impression. It kind of fits. Yeah. I had no idea those Apple people were so smart. <laughs> Looking down, I say, Monet? I don't know what to do with Monet. (laughs) Noticing the energy in the room is a gift. Think about that. A gift to you, a gift to everyone else. Stop, check in, inhabit the moment, and move on. In the midst of busyness, we can still do this. Stop, check in, inhabit the moment, move on. You don't have to write the great American novel about all of your childhood memories and how they impinge on this moment. Just notice the tendency of your mind. Every time you notice some mind habit tendency, It's like coming back to your breath when you meditate. At that moment, you're totally in the moment. Rejoice. Rejoice. At that moment, you're not under control of any of that. As soon as you notice it, you are free. The next moment you get to make a choice, or the next moment the reactivity takes over. But at that moment... You are totally free because you see it. So those are my thoughts this morning. Thank you very much. Are there any comments, questions, hurrahs? Every, okay. Every time you notice the energy in the room, it's a gift. It's a gift to you, and it's a gift to, the, to other people in the room. Just noticing the energy in the room. Sometimes that gift can be extended by calling it out, by ha- depending on what it is. Now, you know, if you notice that there's a lot of tension in the room, maybe... <clears throat> Calling out to your family how tense it is and how sick you are of all that tension might not be the best skillful action. But for you to notice the tension is a real gift to you because now it's a piece of information that, that you have about the moment and it gives you choices. Yeah. Kate, here I think is next. Uh, not quite. 
Do we have the the yeah. thing pushed up? How? Okay, no. not happening. Is it green or orange? It's green. it's green. Well, why don't you just ask, and I'll try to repeat the question. Yeah. Is that one working? Not working either. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you check the mute, mute button? The mutes are off. Are, are they up? They're up. Okay. You know, I don't think mine's on either. I think we may have lost sound. We're back? It's working. Okay. Let's just ask the question. I'll repeat the question. Yes. Um, I'm not a particularly busy person. And so when I am busy, it has some positive connotations to me because it means I have an invitation to dinner or I have someone to spend time with. That that has a positive connotation of being connected. Thank you. One of the things that that I heard you say there's a big worry component of busy. And those could be worries its own thing. Yes, worry is its own thing. How those could be mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, so what Kate said is that there are conditions where she's not a very busy person, and so when she has activities that fill her life, she feels blessed by those activities. And it's a positive thing in her life. And that some of what I said indicated that there was a component of worry that was associated with busyness. And how do we tease that apart? So uh, I do want to make the point that busyness is not a bad thing. In, uh, when I introduced this, I said that there were people in the group who were in a check-in who said, oh, I've been really busy, and that I felt the weight of that busyness. That doesn't mean that there are not times when you are, and there's a whole series of phrases, you're in the groove, you're, you're in the flow, everything is working well, you feel very competent, there's a lot of joy associated with that, ability to pull that together and for things to be moving slowly and that this can also be busy busyness that is the the one of the definitions at the the beginning was fully engaged when the busyness is fully engaged for every moment you're you're there and engaged in the moment this can be a very positive thing so i don't it's one of the reasons i didn't want to make busyness bad and that I wanted to look at what is the movement of the mind. Uh, I did seem to give all of my, my examples were, were failures. <laughs> um, and it is true that, there, that sometimes what you discover is everything is lovely. And sometimes what you discover is happiness. You know, what well, the... Um, the there's an antidote for the poisons of the, of the calaisas. And we, we talk about the wholesome roots as opposed to the unwholesome roots. So if you turn those things around, craving, ill will, and confusion, you come up with 
generosity, uh, loving kindness, and wisdom. And one way to deal with what you find in your life is to balance it this way. So if you find yourself craving, 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 oh, I really want that. I really want that particular... I need to go get that thing to go... It's going to make it perfect. I need that centerpiece. You know, that, that it's the ring that goes on the door. I have to go get one of those. They have them at Costco. They're $25, and I'm going to go get one. What would happen if instead of going to Costco and getting that wreath for $25, you said, I've already given up the $25. But instead of getting something for me, I'm going to give that $25 to a homeless shelter. Or I'm going to give that $25 to IMC. Our donations are running behind this year. (laughs) What happens if we take that craving and turn it inside out and make it an act of generosity. Or take that ill will and say, okay, this person is really a problem for me. I'm not going to repair my relationship with this person, but I am going to be kind. That's all. I'm going to be kind. And you come into the moment with that intention. And then you see what happens. Maybe it's good, maybe it's not so good. But you can always check back in with that intention. Right at the moment when it seems like you're going to take their head off. Kindness, kindness. The kindest thing I can do is leave the room. (laughs) What is it? So thank you for bringing that up. It isn't, it isn't uh, intended to make busyness a bad thing. Only the, this, this uh, sense of busyness as a weight can be lifted by just noticing, just noticing what's happening. And is there worry or is there something blossoming that's quite beautiful? Yeah, you do. But um, it is also true that some people will be sitting there saying, I have so many parties to go to, I don't know how I'm going to do it. You know, and they have a big grin on their face, right? Because I got invited to all these parties. And somebody else is saying, I'm too busy for parties. And of course, nobody's invited me to any parties, right? Yeah. Excuse me, you you had a question over here. Mm-hmm. But this new thing to just notice the energy uh, in the room and, and how am I responding to it would go right along with it. And headed for big family yes. things, uh, sibling rivalry comes back as soon as they walk into the room. And I have a 
big family. And uh, so I'm going to notice the energy and notice how I respond to it. Notice the energy. What is skillful and what is skillful. Yeah, and, and, you know, accept the fact that um, you, you may know, you may say this is skillful, this is unskillful. Sometimes even skillful acti- actions don't turn out to be as skillful as you hoped. <laughs> and unskillful actions can have very positive results. So I would encourage you not to beat up on yourself for whatever happens, but just notice, wow, I'm feeling really bad about this, or I feel this energy rising in me, and I see this energy in the room, and do I want to do anything about it? Am I taking responsibility for the energy in the room? Am I taking responsibility for the energy in me? What does that mean? to me am I taking a burden am I creating a burden that I'm then taking on me am I taking credit for something Uh, I walk in the room I have a smile so everybody smiles at me do I take credit for that what is the movement of my mind is it important yeah what's going on here the most important question to ask what's going on here Thank you very much. I think Gus was next. Yeah, so um, I just wanted to share that, you know, when I awake during the day and I think about some of these things, right, when I, I'm aware, right, I find that the thing for me that makes a big difference is to be aware that what I'm trying to do is to, is to manage or make consistent the lifelong narrative. Ah. And, and that, I think, is something that touches on all of this, too. I mean... The thing with your mother and the fudge, right? Uh, the trees and so on. It's trying to manage and make consistent a narrative which is just a narrative. It's just a narrative that you've invented about what your life is like and what your lists should look like and what you should be focused on and so on and so forth. Uh, it just seems like that kind of touches on, on this busyness thing also. Part of the narrative in life is that I should be busy. The narrative for those Harvard grads was really driving well. Yes, yes. So Gus has pointed out that there's a, a consistent narrative in one's life and that a lot of the uh, energy of lists and how we activate our life is related to trying to create a consistent narrative. It has to do with what we identify with and how we identify who is the self? Who am I if I am not busy, for example? <clears throat> Who am I if I am not the peacemaker? Who am I if I am not my mother's daughter? There's this, this envelope that we try to put our life in that is an identifying self, an unchanging self that we imagine to be the ideal self or the not-so-ideal self, depending on our point of view. But it is this image of who we are that we become very attached to. And under stress, it comes up in spades. So thank you for that. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I know my family doesn't know me, but I know them. Yes, you. Do you think we've got it? 
Yes. yes. Okay, great. Thanks, Ian. I kept thinking throughout the talk off and on about Gill's short talk last week at the half-day retreat in which he talked, he spoke about the enchantment with suffering that some of us ah. have and how to, um, I'm going to use it anyhow, let go of <laughs> the enchantment with suffering. So if anybody else liked this talk this morning, they might go back and listen to Gill's 15-minute dharmat on enchantment with suffering. Yes, thank you. We, it's easy to fall into that. There's someone back here. Okay, uh, I noticed the other day that um, I, you were talking about um, some, some t- you want to notice your tendencies, and I noticed that I grab onto things a little bit. I was just wondering if you could say anything more about uh, what that means about your... Does it, are there types of people that do uh, have those tendencies more than other people, and what does that say about you? Well... So uh, there are people who believe that we are of a certain characteristic that our overriding tendency is toward greed, hatred, or delusion. You know, you'll hear them say, well, I'm, a, I'm an aversive person, or I'm a, a craving person, or I'm a deluded person. I come from a place of delusion. And so if you want to pursue that, um, I could give you a reference for where they, where they describe these types, personality types. I personally find that I can fit myself into any one of those on any given day. And so I don't find it too useful for me to categorize myself in one of those ways. Uh, if you notice that, that you hold on to things, so that might mean uh, you hold on to times, you hold on to people, you hold on to stuff. I have an overstuffed closet and I know I'm holding on to things in that closet because I have suits I haven't worn in 10 years but they you know remind me of who I used to be and it disgusts me I want to get rid of those suits and I haven't gotten rid of them yet what does that say about me There are many possibilities for what that says about me So uh, without knowing more about your situation, it's hard for me to say. I could just say that, uh, yeah, I noticed it's with thoughts. Thoughts, holding yeah, on to memories. thoughts. Memories. Uh, that's all I noticed so far. Okay, so um, when you're holding on to memories, are you uh, adding up characteristics of those memories? Do you attach an overall feeling to the memory? So I hold on to this memory yes. because it was pleasant? Um, no, mostly not. Mostly pleasant. not? Yeah, not yeah. pleasant. Not pleasant? Yeah. So um, I have worked with feelings like that for myself. I had a, a particular event in my life, several, <laughs> that were very painful. And um, I have reflected on what about them is painful. So that rather than retelling myself the story, I look at how do I feel about this story, what else is true about how I feel about this story, so that I don't delve too much into repeating the story 
which tends to build up the energy level around it. But try to see what else is there. Because what I found, I went through a series of discoveries about the event. I felt uh, harmed. I felt unseen. I felt fear. I felt... So I went through a whole series of feelings and ideas about that event. And eventually, I've had a series of insights about how my mind works that were characterized by that event, that were present in that event. And the event itself is no longer important in my life. But understanding how my mind works has proven to be very useful in, in noticing what I'm doing now because these tendencies of the mind don't go away. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, we're going to have to stop, so. Thank you all. May you have wonderful holidays. May you remember to stop, check in, inhabit the moment, and move on. Thank you.